Hello, and welcome to The Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Clacia, Malika, and Will, and today we're picking apart Robert Eggers' latest epic, Viking Hamlet, a.k.a. The Northman. So, this is your spoiler warning. We are going to get heavy into the plot details of The Northman, so if for some reason you don't know the story of Hamlet, just stop, go watch the movie, come back, I guess. Just figure out your life, okay? It's fine. All right, so thanks to Letterboxd, here is the summary of The Northman. Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. Will, Malika... What are your first impressions of Robert Eggers' The Northman? I really liked it. I thought it was honestly one of the better movies I've seen in a long time. I thought it was a movie that certainly had some faults, but for all its faults it had, it at least had a vision. And in a world of blockbusters today where, not to sound too much like Martin Scorsese, but where every blockbuster today is so corporate it feels and all the blockbusters today seem very corporate and cookie cutter and this was something new and different and a director who is definitely an auteur who has his own style and it was just fun to see a big fantasy epic that uh, had a certain point of view and I'm sure everyone agrees with me that feels well, very you're pointed. you're never wrong, right? I've never been wrong. <sighs> Alas, I am about to disagree with you because I hated this movie. Three things went through my mind as I was watching it. One, I was like, is this a parody of like your classic epic movie? Two, I was like, are those the crows from The Crows Have Eyes, The Croning? Because what the hell? And three, this movie lacked heart. I think what makes an epic movie work so well is that there's gore, there's big set pieces, there's gorgeous costumes, there's a lot going on, but there's a heart at the core of it. And this did not have any of that for me. I connected with zero characters. I cared about none of their outcome. At the end, there's this big epic scene where this, you know, battling to the deaths. I literally thought to myself, I actually don't care who wins. I just want to go home. I'm over this movie. And that's not good so uh, this was not for me I do generally like movies like this so I was excited for it so I didn't have any expectations I didn't know much about the movie I was shocked that Ethan Hawke was in it you know like I was there for the ride and it just failed at every point for me yeah this is like super fascinating because I would say I'm somewhere in the middle of you two I'm still trying to process how exactly I feel about the movie. I mean, Will and I saw it together um, just last night, so it hasn't even been a full 24 hours. So my mind was kind of racing in the immediate aftermath. We talked a little bit about it, and I really appreciate that Robert Eggers is a craftsman, for better or for worse, whether you like his craft, you can tell there's a clear aesthetic and there's a clear vibe, and he has a very clear vision for what he wants this movie to be. There are definitely some choices that, after like thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know if that was the most effective way to tell this part of the story or the thing that would help me connect the most with this character. But I definitely never felt bored watching this movie. I was, if anything, at points baffled, definitely at some points really, really entertained, at other points confused. But I definitely felt something. And ultimately, that's kind of the biggest thing I'm looking for in coming out of a, a movie like this. So I guess it delivered. Did it deliver in all the ways that I would have hoped? exactly see that's something i don't understand is what was confusing about it like the plot i feel like one of its advantages is that it is literally a tale as old as time it is an old epic style story where this story has been told for literal generations and yeah, it was less so story things and sometimes character things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can get into, you know, the specifics of the cast and the crew at this point if you want to get into it. But this is very much a star-studded cast, right? If you think about Amleth, who's played by Alexander Skarsgård, his parents are played by Nicole Kidman and Ethan Hawke. There's a bunch of, you know, cameos and some other big roles. Obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy is another big actor in this movie as well. So it was less so the actual story. I mean, 
I know Hamlet. I've seen Hamlet performed. I've read Hamlet. I've seen different. It's that part wasn't confusing. It was some of the individual character choices, in particular the the mother queen Gudrun. I don't know how to say any of these names. We're about to butcher all of these Norse names. Fair warning, Norse people. I'm really sorry, but her motivation it's left completely ambiguous at the end of the movie. I think of like what her end goals were and what she was hoping to accomplish and her true feelings, and that. I'm sure was intentional, but I found it a little bit hard to follow parts of the movie because the things that she was doing, I was like, well, this doesn't really add up to the story that we're seeing unfold. So that was to me, I can't speak for Malika, but yeah. there were definitely moments, several moments like that where I was like, well, why is this character even doing this? Like, what is the point? You know, it's funny because I had less of an issue with her motivation and more of an issue with Olga's motivation because honestly, there were moments where I'm like, did I miss something? Did I black out and miss some storyline? Because at one point, point, Amleth and Olga are having a conversation about some plan that they've concocted. But we don't see that. It's, it happens off screen. And I was like, wait, what? When did this happen? And then off off they are. So maybe I did black this out or I got distracted because, they, you know, it, then they like have other moments where they're talking about it. But the initial setup of like why they're bonded to each other. They were on this boat and all of a sudden they're like lovers and they're like each other's soulmate. It just felt so quick to me. It just, I don't know. I didn't feel the connection between them. I didn't feel the chemistry. I didn't care about them together. And then it was supposed to be the heart that I was missing was supposed to be them. And it just was so flat to me. So things like that I found confusing because I was like, oh, you're expecting me to make that leap and I'm not there with you. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. And I would love to like, talk about that more because as I mentioned like this is obviously an active adaptation mm -hmm. it's the story of Hamlet different setting ultimately the same kind of core um, story structure but there's a lot that's very different right than the Shakespearean version of Hamlet that I think most of us know today and what I found fascinating though is that it did still keep the core of mythicism and mm -hmm. spirituality and witchcraft and all that other stuff yeah yeah um, and to me that came through with Olga like she became kind of an amalgamation of a few different characters in the traditional kind of Hamlet story, but she's the love interest. She's also a, a big kind of motivating force in the storyline uh, because she's basically like, I'm not staying here. I'm getting the fuck out of here. You know, she finds a kindred spirit in Hamlet because she recognizes something within him that either is similar to herself or is just very different than the other folks that are being enslaved and sent to Iceland. So that part didn't bother me as much, but I can definitely see what you're talking about, Malika. I'm confused how that whole storyline for you was confused. She was a slave. She was captured to be a slave for... Uh, God, I don't even want to attempt to no, say no, that's what I got. You and them coming up with a fuel, plan together. Fjolnir. She was... Right. And she, she sees Amleth get on the boat and knows that he's not actually right. a slave. I'm with and you. And so... That has her attention. They have some sort of connection that's not really sexual. They're not planning anything. Amleth has a plan, but she just notices him and knows that he's not actually a slave and he willingly submits his himself no, no, to the slave There's a point ship. where Amleth says to her, when they're in the village, he says, we have to hold off on our plan. He says that without us seeing on screen that they've had a plan. All of a sudden, they go from like, okay, we're both staying here to having a plan. And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, 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 what? I, I, I literally was like, did I fall asleep? I did not. But I had that moment because I was like, I'm missing something. So it feels like there might have been something like left on the cutting room floor that connected that together. No, he, he basically says when they arrive there that I'm going to do this thing and I'll take care of you. And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, and that's what that relationship is the whole time is I will watch out for you, but I'm going to do my thing. And then it is. But isn't why is he until... watching out for her? Why does he owe her anything? If he's this guy that only thinks about vengeance, how is he have, how does he have space in his mind to be like, oh yes, this other person. There are plenty of other slaves there. Why her? So that like bonding there, I was missing. I needed something where they're like, hey, like maybe if she had saved his life or something where there was like, if there were some kind of reciprocity, I feel like I would have understood it at least because then it's like a love built on that. But all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that there's this connection. What about all the other women? Why does he let them all get their throats slit? What is it about her? What is their connection? What was it built on? I just wanted a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to get too Oedipal and Game of Thrones too soon, but she clearly reminds him of his mother. 
Uh, well, he also makes out with his mother, so there you she go. She is the only blonde slave woman in the entire encampment. <laughs> well, the other ones mention it multiple times that, like, it's because she's so beautiful. I mean, it's the same reason why Fjolnir, Fjolnir. tries to basically take her as his sex slave. and Get Because that. she's so beautiful. No that. He talks yeah. about, like, when Amleth proves himself in the game and then Thorir is like, as a reward, we're going to give you more power amongst the slaves. We'll even let you take that woman of yours with, like, the hair. I mean, it's just clear she's the most beautiful. They all they mention it multiple times. And so, yeah, it is very service level. But, like, she's beautiful. They made a connection when he first got on the boat. So there they kind of... Got it. That's all it takes. A hot flame. woman, yeah. you're in love, done, deal. Okay. Maybe I mean, that's to all be fair, is. this was Viking times. Yeah, it's the 800s. <laughs> I'm sorry that I wanted more. I get what you're saying, Malika. I think a lot of it was just more visual than I would say spoke. In general, this is a movie of few words in terms of big, you know, soliloquies and things like that. You're kind of used to like a Shakespearean version of Hamlet. It's more about the the tonality and the physicality of the of the the plot and the characters. Um, and you can see that just in like Alexander Skarsgård's performance. It's like a really weirdly hulking performance. Mm-hmm. I think he's actually more physically fit or just bigger in this movie than any other project Possibly, that I've seen him yeah. in, with, which was not necessary. Like he didn't no. really need to be. I think he was about 30% traps at one point. <laughs> I was a little worried for his posture because he the had way bad he was, posture for sure. In this. The way he had been hulking over, I was like, I think you're stuck yeah. that way, my guy. But yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. It's it's a movie of strong visuals, and if the visuals aren't connecting with you, the dialogue and the plot are not going to give you much more. So I think it's like it's going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. I see what Will is saying because it's clear that Olga is meant to be this kind of prized beauty, but she also has a clear wit about her. She a she's the only one observant enough to notice that Amleth wasn't on the boat before, and she's like, "What the fuck is your deal? Like right. that's weird. Like why would you willingly become a slave?" So he, for whatever reason, opens up to her. That's probably the first person he's ever opened up to in 20 years. Like he has Which is a why clear... I wanted a reason. Like more than just, oh, she's hot. Why all of a sudden is does he have space in his heart, in his mind for this other person when well, he has not for 20 right years? That's all. Uh, it's it gradual. feels like it happens pretty quickly to me. I mean, again, this is just like my view of it. I just didn't find their connection believable enough for it to be like this like oh she's like my love my lover whatever i was like uh whatever this dude yeah. that you know you're using him because he's going to protect you well the first that couple feels more real to me that's the first couple times they're talking she's like i know you're planning something what is it like what are you planning what are you gonna do why are you here and he's like i'm gonna kill don't them worry all about it well he's like yeah don't worry about it i'm doing my thing i'm here because of destiny has taken me here but don't worry about it. I'm doing it. It's not until later after they've arrived in Iceland that he starts like bringing her in as part of like even the point where he is outside of the hut and fl- floor Lear is near. Just floor, listen, you try to say near. these names is my favorite part. The pro- the, <laughs> honestly, I don't think he'd say much, do much better with the actor's real name. So just keep going, my guy. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Fair, 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 fair. When. He go, he's going to go in and rape her and she shows that she's on her period and he's outside like going to protect her but doesn't have to because but she doesn't know he's doing that. It's not like he promised to protect her. It's just like even at that point he is just looking out for her and she knows that he has a plan. It's not until later that she actually gets brought into what he's doing. I totally understand everything you're saying. My point is I don't understand his motivation for caring about her besides that she's hot. Like, I wanted more than that. I wanted some connection between them to be shown on screen. And actually, I want to go back to something you said, Clay, about this um, being based on Hamlet. Because I read only after the fact, so I did not know this beforehand. And maybe it's more common knowledge. But So this story of Hamlet is actually the source material from which... William Shakespeare based Hamlet on. So it was an interesting take on it because I feel like the Northman was going back to the source material, but also using Shakespeare's Hamlet to build off of too. Because there were these scenes where there were these scenes where Alexander Skarsgård was sitting on a roof or something and just like talking to himself that felt very Shakespearean Hamlet. And I don't doubt that the original 
Epic had that, but maybe it does. I'm not familiar with that, like the actual source material. But um, it is an interesting, even if I am picking up on it right, it kind of was like this amalgamation of both the OG story as well as, like, you know, the, the Shakespeare version. That's actually really interesting. And then that makes me also curious of, you know, there's some very clear themes, I think, in this movie, like vengeance and honor are kind of chief among of all of them mm-hmm. we could talk Destiny. about. Found family? Destiny. Just kidding, not in this Destiny one. Destiny or fate. But, I, I, yeah, I wonder how much of the themes that I personally picked up on were from the original um, Amleth kind yeah, of myth. Yeah. Because to me, there was also a ton of imagery, right, of like the whole kind of man versus animal and like are you a man or are you a beast and and things like that. And also a ton of the mythic. I mean, I only know about, um, you know, the Shakespearean Hamlet. I don't know about the Amleth myth, but there's a ton right. of mythicism and ghosts and witches and all these things. And I'm assuming just knowing what I know a little bit about Scandinavian culture, I'm sure there's a lot of that in there as well. So it is really fascinating to see which elements were taken from which different versions and how that kind of all got woven together. Yeah. I found it to be a very fascinating version of the story because yeah, just some of the imagery of, you know, the nature of embodying the wolf, like the beginning of the movie before Amlet's father is murdered, you know, we see his dad is like, he needs to go through this rite of passage, right? He needs to understand that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to die more than likely very soon. So I need him to fully kind of embrace this wolf spirit. And they go through this sort of rite of passage and Willem Dafoe's character is leading it. And there's like chanting and farting and burping and, you know, all the things guys love to do. And I wondered like, okay, that was like a weird kind of, you know, scene, like, and the, but it kind of came back, like that imagery came back. It mm-hmm. came back in when adult Amleth is raiding in, in Rus, which is, I'm assuming, I think Northern, sorry, modern day, like Finland, Ukraine, you know, he is, there's a whole scene where like, they're all getting amped up for the battle mm-hmm. and they're just like wearing furs and just like, you know, yeah. just howling and just, he literally at one point like choose a guy's jugular. Like I thought it was kind of crazy. So I found that really fascinating of like, it's something I've personally only seen associated closely with like native American cultures of like embodying animals and animal spirits and going into battle. So that's something that I learned about, which was really interesting. And I thought provided it not fun, but visually <laughs> fascinating context to this movie. Yeah, Honestly, that is probably my favorite part of the movie is how much research clearly went into this. And I wanted to like it because I feel like there's been so many stories now, different adaptations, some series out there about Viking culture. And I felt like this is probably the most authentic. So I was really excited about that. But then the plot and some of the choices and the character development and the relationships just didn't work for me. And that is what a movie is. It's not just the research that went into it. And part of me felt after I walked out of this as if they almost got distracted by trying to be super authentic that they let other things go to the wayside but clearly that's just my opinion because will is (laughs) giving me evil eyes (laughs) Uh, see i yeah i guess i just disagree different interpretations of it because you talk about the character development it's a clear hero's journey i mean he starts as a young boy who is learning about what his place is in the world but then gets cut off from that before he has a chance to take his spot in, you know, the annals of this Viking kingdom. And then he has to escape and becomes a wayward son who is in this Mm -hmm. Viking berserker group, but gets called upon his destiny to avenge his father and has to learn about himself along the way. And then even at the very end gets tested, he gets tested multiple times, you know, he gets tested at the witch the second time he gets tested when he gets the sword from the you know zombie spirit um he gets tested mm-hmm. again when olga is taking him away and is like let's go start a family and even though it's a tragedy it's an old story it's not always a happy ending it's it's usually not a happy ending i feel like with right, most of these right. fantasy epics from a long time ago it was a test of will and it was about him discovering himself finding his purpose and following his destiny and his fate yeah i I disagree i just interpreted it differently and saw that i mean i think for me so you said a couple good things in there like i think that if it was like a coming of age story we miss all of that we miss the years where he's like on the run and no it's it's not that hold on i'm getting there relax so it's 
It's not that, right? So it's clearly not that because we missed that piece of it. But we see him as a young kid, and I actually really like that part of the storyline. And then we see him as this like grown man on a quest for revenge, okay? I'm with you on that part of it. But at some point, we have to see him growing and becoming somebody new or taking something on because he just feels like he's so flat the entire rest of the movie after he becomes an adult. Once we see Alexander Skarsgård on screen, I feel like he doesn't really change. It's all about revenge. There's a moment where he dips and he's like, oh, am I going to run off with this woman that I love, I roll, whatever. Um, but then he goes back into that. And even his mother telling him that like, no, your dad was evil. It doesn't push him off his course. He's just like so one note and like nothing changes his mind. Like I have to seek revenge. My dad told me when we were high on drugs, pretending to be wolves I had to do this thing so his purpose was given to him he didn't earn it he didn't find it it was literally put yeah. in his lap his dad even said if I die avenge me and you're like okay now I know the rest of the movie I don't know there was no surprises it was no but isn't not, that the story of Amleth like yeah, that's, that's the story it is, it's, but like, it's Hamlet it's do the it, Lion do King it like in an interesting way is all I'm saying Oh, because I actually have a question. Hold on, I think sure. I have a question. Get for in you the both. middle here, Clay. We're not no, yeah, because this is a really this is a really fascinating discussion, and I think I have a question to maybe kind of open it up. Sure. So we first see adult Amleth as a berserker, right? He is, yep. you know, with this troop, looting, pillaging, all this, you know, fun Viking stuff. And there's actually a moment where he is, I would say, the first time he's taken back or he's surprised and it's when the witch character played by Bjork kind of yep. you know comes to him and she reminds him of his duty I personally took that as a wake-up call for him of that he had been astray so he hadn't actually been focused on his vengeance for a long time he'd just been wrapped up in this berserker party and he'd been just pillaging and doing all these things as a distraction and to me that read as the moment where he was reminded powerfully of like oh i made this promise to myself and to my father and i have not fulfilled it in 20 years so to me that sets into motion so i'm curious did that moment resonate with either of you and how did it resonate because to me that was that turning point of he would have just kept on doing what he had been doing because he was just numb he was numb to the world he actually had no motivation and no feelings and probably didn't care if he lived or died and it wasn't until he was awakened by that witch in that moment that he was like, fuck, I've been wasting my entire life. I told my dad that I would do this. I lost my ways somehow along the path and I need to get back to, to taking care of business. So, yes. And I think that's something that maybe because I had pre-existing knowledge of Viking culture. Sorry, I'm doing air quotes, but <laughs> Viking culture. I read it in your uh, voice. Don't worry. In t before this movie, but people use the term Viking to kind of just describe Norse Right. kingdoms and scandinavian early like this time period kingdoms but really what a viking was was what he was doing as that mercenary right, right. group a, a viking was not like a culture a viking was a job and so when right. he was with those other berserkers with the wolf heads on those were vikings and so i think that scene what it was telling us was he like you said clay he left with this promise to himself i'm gonna avenge my father i'm gonna save my mother i'm gonna kill my uncle and then when we see him 20 some years later, he's just working as a mercenary Viking. And that's when right, right. you see the rest of the, the army come in, they're crusaders. And so they're working for the crusaders, just killing and pillaging this village for no reason other than just right. a job. It's just for money. Yeah. It's just and, for money. Yeah. They're literally selling slaves to different corners of the globe. Right, like, oh, right. you're going to Constantinople. You're going to Iceland. Like, they don't care. They're just like, we're really good at fucking shit up. So yeah. we're going to get right. paid to do that. And then the consequences are somebody else's to deal with. And so when in the scene when they're putting that kid into the farm and they burn it down, you see it in him. He's distressed by what he's doing. He knows right. that what he's doing isn't has no meaning. And so that's why, Clay, you're right. When he goes and sees the witch, that's his call to action. That's his reminder of what his fate and his destiny and his purpose is. And so you see him grow from just this lost berserker who's raping and killing and pillaging for no reason to this is my purpose. This is why I'm... And then he has to struggle. And he says when he's branding himself, I forget his exact words, but like, I'll pay you back with my destiny just know that this is 
what I'm using to fulfill my destiny. I don't know. I I thought that was a really important part of his call to action, his return to what his life's purpose was. I will say, I actually forgot about that scene. You're right. That is an important scene that sets us up. But I think so much else happened after it that I got distracted. I was like, ah. Um, but you're right. That That is probably what sets us off. But he was very one note before then. He was like, all I care about is pillaging. And now then he's like, all I care about is revenge. So honestly, the shift in the note was like, ah, fine, just a different note. But it's just still one note after that. So it wasn't enough for wow. me. But it is a, a pivotal moment where he is set on his quest. I will give you that. And to the one note piece, <laughs> I I mean, I, know I don't, don't think <laughs> Alexander. No, I do agree. I don't think Alexander Skarsgård is that great an actor. I think that's Ooh, coming in with those warm takes. I don't know how to, I I don't disagree with you. So one thing I did also want to touch on is again, I don't know the original Amleth myth. So maybe this is part of it, but one big deviation from Hamlet is that his father is killed when he's a child versus when he's an adult. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I do wonder if there is a, you know, a sense of arrested development that is meant to be carried forward with Amleth, which maybe explains why he is so, one note and why he lacks maybe a certain complexity that you might expect from a grown ass man, even in the Viking era. I mean, I think that's what I took out of it because we spent so much time with him as a kid, like the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's like the first real character that you see. He's like, Oh my God, my dad, my dad. And I think it's meant to kind of show how his innocence was completely broken by this formative experience of his and, you know, very Lion King. And so, uh, you know, so to me, like him being a little bit more rigid in his desires and and being one note or whatever you want to call it, it made sense because if you see your own father murdered by your uncle in front of you at like 12 years old, that shit going to fuck you up. They didn't have therapy. I literally at one point was like, wow, this could have been really resolved with some familial therapy, perhaps. (laughs) but that is not an option. So, And they say that in the movie. It's not a question that he was he had arrested development. I mean, his mom, when he sees her and is like, I'm here to save you, she basically says, you fucking idiot. Do you know anything? All this time you've thought, all you have thought is that you need to save me. This was 20 years ago. You don't know shit about the world or what's happening. Like This one thing has brought you back, sure, but that ain't it kid like that's not how the world works and she was just looking out for herself the whole time that's what she said she was like fuck your dad i went after your uncle and then when she's talking to him she's like you're gonna kill him fine then i will come be your queen and it's like yeah it's super fucked up that his mom is saying that but she's just looking out for number one looking out for herself that's all she cares about well obviously i don't think she meant that because then she turns around and tells her new husband that her son is there and also admits that she ordered this, her own son's execution so that this moment wouldn't happen. So I, I think that was just like to get herself out of that room in the moment. I don't know if she actually meant it. I don't know. Only after he like rejected her advancement. Yeah, that's a good open question, right? Like she made the play in that moment to save herself for sure. But do we think that she would have went through with it if Amleth was like, cool, I guess you're my mom queen now? Because that's an unanswerable question. Like, and I agree with you, Well, Like, she clearly had self-interest as her number one motivation, yeah. which, why, why shouldn't she? She's a woman in a really fucked up time for women. What I found really interesting is that she was willing to throw Amleth under the bus, but it felt like she cared about Gunner in a way that maybe she lost for Amleth. And, it, it may, and that's explainable by he's still a young boy, perhaps, but it made me wonder how much of her reaction to Amleth and her true feelings were kind of couched in him being the child uh, of a man she hated. Yeah. She clearly yeah, didn't yeah. hate Fjolnir. So, like, I also do wonder how much of it was she was in a loveless marriage with Hamlet's father. And then once he died and then she thought Hamlet was dead, what connection did she have to retain to him? Nothing. And he comes back 20 years later talking about I'm going to save you. She didn't asked to be saved so i do wonder how much of that relationship was just severed completely versus how much of that was just her self-interest but see that's that's the thing i don't we have to take her word for it that she was in a loveless marriage because nothing we saw really indicated that i mean he said when he came back like at that moment he wasn't 
going to lay with her because he was dying and he was like, I need right. to take my son on like begin this journey for him. I need to indoctrinate him in our ways. And I need to do that now because I'm fucking dying. That's all we see of their relationship. And she says to Amleth in that same scene, he didn't even love you, which we know is not true because yeah. we saw the father and son interaction. Agreed. Like, yeah. We saw yeah. how much he cared about Amleth and their family line and their succession. So my interpretation is you just can't take anything that she says for truth. Like she's looking out for herself. She's trying to paint herself in a picture where she is right. right. She's sympathetic. Like I don't disagree with that, but then why should we take Amlet's point of view as correct? In my mind, every single character in this movie is an unreliable narrator then. So I just find it fascinating. And again, this could be an effect of the original myth that the female character who's at the heart of the story is given the least amount of sympathy and the least amount of trustworthiness thrust upon her. So to me, I'm not necessarily going to take everything that every character said at face value, but I am going to question why is it that this woman is being painted in such a way when we clearly don't have the full picture of what went down between Hamlet's father, Hamlet's uncle, and everything in the past? So we're just meant to think, well, he's on the righteous path. I mean, I also think that's the strength of the movie is that, you know, spoiler, at the end, Amleth kills his uncle, his uncle kills him. They're both dead. And it's meant to be tragic because what was the point of it? And now Amleth's future children with Olga are going to be raised without a father. And they're probably going to have their own fucked up shit of realizing that their dad left and could have been with them and decided to go enact this stupid vengeful quest for reasons that people don't really understand. So like, what I find fascinating about it is, like, what are we meant to take away from the ending of the movie? Great question. Will? Well, I don't know if you're supposed to take anything away. It's, like, I I don't know. Well, what did you With feel coming out at the end old, of the movie? It, it was a completed tale. It was an old epic. I feel like that's how a lot of these ancient epics are. They're just telling the story of the hero's journey. You know? It's about fate. It's about everything we just discussed who who do you trust your point of view like i agree with everything you say glacia like but that's what i like about it you're not, you can't take his mom whatever the fuck her name is like you can't take her point of view because from what she said we know that it's not entirely truthful but that's also the point of what she was saying is amleth you don't know shit about fuck like the world isn't what you think it is and right. that's the point and that's what Amleth has to struggle with after he hears that is I'm not I can't save my mother like what is my purpose and his purpose is to fulfill his destiny and avenge his father like that's the story that's what he has to struggle with that's what he lands on and I don't think there necessarily needs to be at the end of this movie a greater takeaway it's just about enjoying the story and you know if you didn't enjoy the story that's too bad I enjoyed the story, but like, it's just about understanding yeah. and appreciating what he's going through, his trials, his tribulations, and like his final decision as to he's not going to settle down and have a family. He's going to go and cherry on top, fulfill destiny, kill his uncle, and die next to the lava. So the only thing I don't like about what you just said, though, is like I get that this is based on an old epic and it's not like we're reading the actual story as it was written. This is a modern day movie. And so just resting on that, oh, it's based on an old epic, isn't enough for me. Like we should be walking away something. It should have a specific point of view. What does it want its audiences to walk away from? And, you know, I, I was left wanting. I was like, OK, cool. It's a complete epic. But what, what more is there than that? And honestly, Nicole Kidman's portrayal was really interesting to me because at the beginning of the movie, I was like, what is she doing? She's phoning this in. And I didn't realize till towards the end when she's like, comes at him is like, what are you thinking here? That I was like, oh shit, I don't think she loved her son. And she was just cold. She almost like slapped him for opening the door. And then she's like, oh yeah, sorry, this is my son. And then, you know, she's doing what she's got to do to, to survive and clearly, you know, does not pick Amlet's side she picks um her husband's side and so it's I don't know it just it was an interesting portrayal of her but um she's a cold bitch 
She's she woke up though. I was like, "Damn, okay, Nicole, you're bringing it." <laughs> yeah, that's the whole time she was like that. Like, she was a great character. I think she. Whenever, she was. She was actually one of the more interesting characters. When her kids she, died, and all of her family, when you know, when her eldest son is freaking out, and she's like, "Pull your shit together." When her eldest son mm-hmm. dies and her husband is crying, she's like. You're a Pull fucking your king. Yeah, like you can't yeah. let your p- subjects see you like this. I mean, she's she is cold and calculating and she like knows what the fuck she wants in this world and I don't know. I I thought she made for a great character. Well, that's what was interesting is that she is actually surviving with her cunning and Olga is the character who says that. She's like, I'm going to break their minds with my cunning. And besides, like, shrooming a bunch of soldiers, like, where was her cunning? Also, like, how the hell did she get Alexander Sarsgaard on a fucking horse? Like, I call right, bullshit. That, that tiny the biggest woman unanswerable did, not question. Sur- did not drag him away. Uh-uh. That bothered me. Well, maybe she took some of those HGH pills yeah, that he's been taking and just like, all right, I got you, buddy. Just, my like, biggest question is where did... Amleth get his steroids. <laughs> that Viking juice, baby. Yeah. I was like, on that note, actually, I do want to pivot to my pitch perfect because I feel like this might be debatable. I actually really liked Anya Taylor Joy in this role. I mean, I've liked her in pretty much everything I've seen her in, and I really enjoyed her here because she added a different energy to the scenes that she was in that to your point Malika I think if this whole movie was just Alexander Skarsgård hulking in the background monologuing (laughs) in voiceover it might have been a little stale but I think she just injected a little bit of something you know a little je ne sais quoi if you will and to me the movie was all the better for her inclusion especially because there's so few depictions of women in Mm -hmm. any sort of roles with agency and of course she was enslaved but that wasn't going to stop her she's like I'm going to get the fuck out of this so I personally enjoyed her. I think she added a little extra something. Maybe Nicole Kidman's an honorable mention as the pitch perfect. But to me, Anya Taylor-Joy might have stolen the movie in parts. That's so interesting. I love her too. I think she's a phenomenal actress. I did find her accent was a little all over the place. She didn't quite do it for me. I just, I don't know. I wanted to love her, but I think it wasn't her fault. I don't think there was enough meat for her to work with. Her character didn't have that much to do except be the beautiful blonde that, you know, drugs people. But, like, I wanted more from her. And so it's not her fault. I think she was great with what she was given, but she would not be my pitch perfect. My pitch perfect would be the moment the credits came on the screen and I got to leave right, That is a movie. disqualified pick. You can't even pick that, so disregard. Listeners, disregard, please. Thank you. I... And also, to, to comment on the accent, everybody's accent was bad. Like, I, fine, maybe outside fine. of Fjolnir, at, at the very least, his was consistent. Every other character's accent went all over the place. At one point, I'm like, wait, are they doing vaguely Norwegian like accented English? Then at some point, it sounded English British, and then yeah. at other points I was like this definitely seems like they're doing a hypothetical like Swedish chef situation <laughs> it was all over the place everybody yeah, yeah. I was just like I mean, whatever it's fine <laughs> I'm pretty forgiving with accents like one of my favorite epics is gladiator and those accents are really all over the place but like I don't know it just was a it just was like if you're gonna be pitch perfect have the best accent that's all I'm saying if we're gonna give her the, the crown you gotta bring it I love Ani Taylor Joy <laughs> She's lovely. She is Agreed. the definition of a saucy little minx. Like, <laughs> just every role she plays, just she has something about her that it's her eyes. I, it's it's everything. It's, everything. it's her eyes. It's her face. It's the a, construction of all the little components. It's very compelling. She has a curious charisma, though, in like mm-hmm. all the roles she plays, where she's almost cold, but you want to know more about her. She has that mysterious quality about her. Then, gosh. She's sexy. <laughs> if, if the term didn't already exist, it would have been invented for her, which is Manic Pixie exactly. Dream Girl. She is the yes. ultimate Manic Pixie Dream. Like, exactly. I literally believe she could do anything. Like, yes. oh, you're a chess genius? Sure, why not? That you're a witch? So okay. I, yeah. I will literally buy her. Like, you're in Regency era England setting people up in Emma. Go ahead. Emma, yeah, she was fantastic as Emma. I agree. Why yeah. not? She's a delight. No, she's great. She's super talented. I just don't feel like the filmmakers gave her enough. They didn't That's let fair. her shine the way she should have. Like, 
if she you're pitching for more movie. Anya Taylor Joy, none of us are going to disagree with you. So you're completely right on that regard. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Malika. How about yes, a fun fact? Turn. I know this wasn't the funnest experience for you theater going wise, but do you have a fun fact for us? I have three fun facts to make up for <laughs> how much I dislike this movie. The first one is Bill Skarsgård, who is um, Alexander's brother, was originally cast as Thorir the Proud, the cousin. But then because of scheduling and COVID and whatnot, he had to drop out. And he was like super disappointed about that. It was really interesting to see the two brothers playing against each other. Secondly, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's this moment where there's a Valkyrie like on screen. It's supposed to be like, you know, Olga's character kind of like embodying it when she's like rescuing Amleth. And it looked like the Valkyrie had braces braces on. And it was like, huh? But then I was researching that because I was super curious. And so apparently that comes from this like extensive research that the director did where there are actually these teeth tattoos where they would like basically like file lines in their teeth and put like resin and stuff to make lines. But what's interesting is that it's normally only for men. So there was this like choice there, like only this character will have it. It's going to maybe be gender ambiguity, something with the Valkyrie. They're like these agencies of war. So it was an interesting choice because it's only for like a flash to make that decision to give them these teeth tattoos that look like braces. But my third thing is that there's a really cool scene towards the beginning where there's a spear that's chucked across a river and Amleth catches it and then like checks it back over at the enemy and it's seamless and it looks so good I was disappointed that it was not actually like a stuntman who did it it was all CG they like did it in a couple of takes and they like replaced it but it was an interesting choice like okay we can do this let's make it happen because it was a really cool moment do you guys remember it yeah it was sick of course that shit was sick and it was really it had the like physicality to it so it was really well done CG unlike the crows which I thought were very distracting um I don't think the crows were CG are you kidding me I coaches are 100% CG that's why I kept bringing up like Schitt's Creek, the crowing, because it reminded me of that movie so much. I think I the crows very were disagree. at least partly CG, but I disagree in that they were bad. I thought it was really effective. Very distracting. I'm going to look them up as we go. I mean, yeah, I I assumed that was CG, though, the spear throw, because I I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can catch a spear that someone threw at you. I don't, I don't even know how that would work. Yeah. It, but it looks so real. It looks like, sick. All right, Will. So obviously Malika has listed many of things she'd like to change about this movie, but this segment's all for you and identifying one thing that you'd like to change to make this a better movie. So Wait a second. Sorry, 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 sorry. This Northman director, Robert Eggers, used CGI genitals because no one wanted to get their bits chopped off. I'm, I can imagine. Who had CGI penises? Uh, well, there was a lot of naked guys. Probably <laughs> when they were on the volcano fighting naked yeah and then also oh. wasn't there the bit when uh fionir like his oldest son dies so he has to let make gunner his heir and they're like naked doing some sort of fucking mm. ritual yeah so that could have been i don't know <laughs> okay anyway sorry go ahead well so i'm just gonna go on a little pretentious <laughs> soliloquy here but i think this is the first movie that there's absolutely nothing i would change and it's not because i think this is a perfect movie or anything but i do think this movie is artistic and it is a work of art and it was a vision from an auteur who made this movie and i think what we saw was exactly what he wanted it to be and that's part of why i enjoyed this movie malika you said something earlier that it is an old tale but that doesn't mean we can't have uh new interpretations and a message at the end of this news story But that's what I love in great films in my mind is that not everything is spelled out. There's not necessarily one takeaway that you have from the movie. There's multiple interpretations. That's what I think great art does is it inspires discussion and inspires different ways to think about it. And I think me choosing something from this movie to say it should have been like this to make it a better movie would take away from the point of a movie like The Northman. It was exactly yeah. what it wanted to be. Whether or not people liked it, I think you know. I think you have every right not to have enjoyed the movie, but I don't think that there was anything that it was trying to do that it didn't accomplish. So there's nothing I would change about this movie. 
Yeah, I agree that because I think don't think one thing would make it better because it needs a lot of things. So I agree with you on that. But actually, Change in all the seriousness, <laughs> I do want to say that you're right in that it chose its style and it stuck with it. It was consistent. It's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have lots of CGI trees. We're going to have these scenes, like, fine. And it w- stuck with it. And, like, you're right. Maybe it just didn't work for me. But it was true to what it wanted to be. And I'm sure the director is, like, thrilled with the way it came out. I'm sure he's very proud of it because that's it is what he wanted out of art. And I, I don't have to like it. It's still his point of view, you know. So I do, I do get that. Yeah, that's actually a great summary and kind of brings us to the last of our awards. We actually don't have nominees for either of them because we either feel the movie was doing everything it needed to do or it should have been a different movie. So there really (laughs) is no JB Smoove Award or Wink Award. Well, I have a nominee for JB. Okay. I know you guys don't agree. Oh, okay. For me, I don't know what Willem Dafoe was doing in this movie. I feel like he was another character that could have been used better. I just, just was like... I don't know. It felt very Green Goblin-y, like, jumping in and then, like, out. I don't know. I wanted no. more. Again, if you're going to use William Dafoe, give me See, more William no, Dafoe. That, so. Oh, my God. That is exactly William Dafoe. Green Goblin-y feels Willem Dafoe-y. Sorry. Green no, Goblin I feels Willem Dafoe-y. I agree, but I feel like he was should be in Green Goblin, not in this movie, is what I mean by that. So, I, I actually love find this. I actually find this really fascinating because I recently uh, you went to, like, a Shakespeare in the Park situation and there was, you know, a character that is meant to be kind of like a court jester. Mm-hmm. And it could just be that particular interpretation of the story. But it had a similar tone and energy to what I think Willem Dafoe was bringing to this movie. So to me, that felt almost more of a Shakespearean touch of having this mm-hmm. outlandish character whose energy is just supposed to be dialed up to 11 and who's supposed to have not that much time with the characters but is supposed to have enough of an impact and to me that's exactly what Willem Dafoe was bringing to the table because there's even a moment in the beginning where uh Fjolnir before he kills his brother uh, he's offended by something you know Willem Dafoe says and and what's that Ethan Hawke is just like ah he's a jester I pay him dude this is his job and it's kind of meant to set the scene of like he has a purpose like whether or not you like the purpose he explicitly is told to other people that he is serving a very clear purpose. He fulfills that purpose, and then he is dead, and he's still kind of doing it as a skull. To me, I was like, I get it. Like, this is his role. They're each, I don't know, royal court or whatever has this guy, and that's Will Dafoe in this movie. Yeah, he's more than a jester, you know? He's a witch. He's mystical. He's a harbinger of fate. Like Right, right. Totally get all of that. I think... Maybe you hit the nail on the head there, Clay. I think what is missing for me or was sort of like disjointed for me is that there was this swapping between like Amleth, the original epic, and Hamlet, the Shakespearean. And there was a kind of like, as I said at the very beginning, like they kind of like went between them. And that character felt very much the Hamlet version, not the Amleth version. It's going to sound very confusing, but, you know, Shakespearean version, not the epic version. And so I think maybe there was a little bit of, like, having to do some code switching there. Like, ah, he's, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And so maybe that's why this didn't work for me, because it was not seamless enough throughout. But again, I don't actually blame it for that, because it chose, this is what it wanted to do. That was the point of the movie, and it didn't work for me, but it was very consistent and true to itself. So I will not dock a point for that you know yeah this is definitely the kind of movie where if there's a weird or outlandish choice to be made it's gonna make it yeah for better exactly. or for worse whether you like it or not so if you like it right. then great exactly yeah i'm, I'm awesome. good with that i think this is the moment we've all been waiting for what are our <laughs> final ratings i will start i will say so my dad saw it before i did and he texted me and he was like the northman don't go see it it's the worst movie I've ever seen. <gasps> oh my God. I love your dad. He <laughs> was like, we almost walked out of the theater. He sent me a screenshot of the Rotten Tomato scores. And he was like, I wish I had whatever drug these people were on. Right. Like, right. Uh, Viking peyote. <laughs> Duh, so, it's in the movie. Honestly, same reaction. Agreed. So going into it, I had super low expectations, which maybe mm. helped because I was surprised by how much I liked it. But my rating is 4.09 out of five uh, wolf headdresses. I feel like I've already said everything I have to say about this. Like, I totally understand why people wouldn't like it. 
you know, I don't think it's not something where I'm like, oh my God, how could you? I get why you don't like it. I understand why anyone wouldn't like it, but it struck a chord for me and I liked it. So there you go. I think that's my highest rated movie we've done. Yeah, I'm surprised, but also not surprised. Um, For me, I would say this is probably two out of five Willem Dafoe heads. For all the reasons I've already stated, I have literally nothing new to add. It just did not hit the mark for me. I respect it. I respect what it's trying to do. It just wasn't my movie. Honestly, I'm kind of right there in the middle. Um, I would give this maybe a 3.15 out of 5 Prince necklaces because I liked more of this than I didn't like, but I'm still trying to just come to terms, I I think, with like, what I feel about this movie like it's mm-hmm. like I said it's been 24 hours and even after having this discussion I'm still not sure this might be something I need to, to marinate with a little bit longer to really develop what I feel about this movie in terms of not just the rating but like what I think the value of having seen it in theaters was because you know especially nowadays like you want to go to a movie theater and you want it to be a good use of your time I didn't think it was a waste of my time but it definitely wasn't the best theater going experience or the best movie that I've seen so far in 2022. So I would put this at about a 3.15. Yeah. This for me, was like the last Christmas of Epic movies. So (laughs) it was not, uh, not my my cup of tea, but I think I had more respect for this movie than last Christmas. Did we do, did we do green night on here? No, I I was gonna mention no. maybe like in final thoughts. Um, yeah, because there's a clearly I never got a bunch to see Green Knight. I wanted to. Oh, it's on Showtime it. now. I, it's on Showtime. I won't like it if you didn't like this. I see that's to me. These are super I think she might like it more. Similar. Green Knight looked really good though. Okay, I actually no, think it's this, it's weird. <laughs> this movie is much more straightforward than Green Knight. So All right, I've, so this has probably been the most divisive movie we've done ever. Uh, but honestly, this is what I really enjoy about doing this pod and discussing movie, movies with you guys is that we don't always have the same perspective. And I and honestly take something differently away or something new away just from having talked to you. So I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Um, you know, follow us at Cynical Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow our wonderful sound producer at ak.audio on Instagram. Until next time, everybody. <laughs> For listening. Guys, I think we're adorable. <laughs> <laughs>